Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 53 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that we're able to explore Islam together uh, and that I'm able to take in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delving into Islam at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible inshallah and again uh, I'm, I'm so happy and I'm so humbled that I'm able to add into your to your uh, knowledge and to your uh, you know information about Islam even by a little bit and for that I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I thank you guys as well uh, for you know allowing me to do this again thank you and with that being said let's get right into today's topic and today's topic, it's again, it's a continuation. We said that we're going to have a few episodes talking about the biography of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the you know stuff that we could deeply learn from on a massive scale uh, in today's world and in you know in our religion and in our even you know social social dealings uh, uh, and in, in in everyday life. And the first thing is we will talk about something called the year of sorrow or the year of sadness. And this resembles, it was a very difficult year. So that specific year, we're talking about around 10 years after the beginning of, 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 of Islam, after the beginning of preaching Islam, after the beginning of the prophethood of the Prophet ﷺ. So around 10 years later, right, uh, 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 our Prophet ﷺ, uh, uh, was met by something we discussed before and we talked about before, which was the death of his uncle. Again, we mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, that was the closest human being to him. You know, that was his father figure after he, you know, uh, the, the, the father of the Prophet ﷺ passed away before he was born. And then his, his, grandfa- his, his mother also passed away. Then his grandfather passed away when he was... T- Everybody who took care of the Prophet ﷺ passed away. The only one who was left from his actual, you know, kin and family who cared for him and he took, who took care of him was Abu Talib, his uncle, even though he was a pagan and he remained a pagan and he did not become a Muslim at any point. He thought about becoming a Muslim on his deathbed. We'll talk about that in a second. But... Uh, um, yeah, he loved the Prophet ﷺ more than he loved his own children, and he protected the Prophet ﷺ uh, uh, from you know the people of Quraysh, from the people of Mecca who wanted to uh, kill the Prophet ﷺ. And because the uncle had a high status in society, right in Mecca, he was able to protect him. And we said that that's one of the wisdoms why he stayed as a pagan, because if if the uncle converted in you know to Islam. Uh, he wasn't going to be protected anymore. The uncle would have possibly, you know, most likely would have been persecuted as well, uh, like alongside with all the early Muslims. And uh, and we're not, we're, of course, we, we, we addressed this issue before that Allah didn't just had him as a sacrifice. Like I didn't just, uh, it's not that Allah controlled his mind and made him, you know, stay as a pagan just to protect the Prophet No, Allah make things work in a certain way and it's up to our choices. Uh, the uncle of the Prophet did not want to convert and he was too proud of his own lineage, of his own father's religion, than to actually accept the truth, even though he knew that his nephew was preaching the truth. 
but to him he was more proud of his lineage and, and he, unfortunately there there are resemblance of this you see in today's world right some people are proud of who uh, you know they, they they are and who they were born to be and who they were you know raised to be were raised to be uh, instead of accepting the truth and the logical truth that you know uh, lies in front of them and um so yeah, uh, that was one of the things that led to uh, a huge sadness in the heart of the Prophet Sallallahu because uh, as we remember when we discussed it earlier, the Prophet Sallallahu when his uncle passed away, he got sick, he, he you know, he was on his deathbed. The Prophet Sallallahu went to visit him and he was technically begging him to become a Muslim. And the reason why the Prophet Sallallahu said, "I cannot ask Allah to forgive you. I cannot, you know, seek forgiveness from Allah." Uh, uh, for you unless you're a Muslim you have to admit that Allah is your only Lord there are no other gods there are no other you know idols uh, you you have to you know do that and 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 so I can uh, 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 ask for forgiveness for you otherwise I cannot do anything because Allah like we mentioned numerous times in many episodes Allah is very clear the only sin that Allah is never going to forgive if you die upon shirk if you die upon disbelief and we're saying that if you were exposed to Islam and the majority of the world, the overwhelming majority of the world right now is exposed to Islam, right? If you were exposed to Islam in one way or another, and you still did not accept it for any reason, being lazy, uh, being uh, too proud to actually investigate a little bit more, or to be, you know, if you're too proud to uh, pursue Islam and see what is this religion all about. And there's a big proof that, you know, many of you, and I know a lot of my listeners are, are uh, people who are either recent converts or recent reverts, or people who are thinking about being Muslims or people who are interested in Islam in general. You know, many of the viewers, uh, I mean, many of our listeners are like that. I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I talk to them via email and I know exactly the demographic. And that proves that Islam reached a lot of places. And it basically, when they listened, when they chose to listen and they chose to investigate, you know, more about the religion of Islam, they found it to be the logical religion that makes sense. That religion touches your heart. It reaches your heart only if, and this is the big if, you're willing to accept the truth. Only if you don't have this arrogance of my family and my parents and I was raised this way, right? And we addressed this in, the, in, in I think, in the last episode, right? Some people are exposed to Islam and they completely reject it. And some people... They're exposed to Islam and be like, oh, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And they come to realization. And this is the overwhelming majority of converts, by the way. Once you give Islam a shot, once you actually um, admit to yourself that you're open to the idea of accepting something rather than whatever you were born to, it, those people are the majority who actually convert to Islam because it turns out for them that it is the truth, right? And again, I've and I'm not just saying that or claiming that. I've had people people who you know friends uh and and my wife's friends who actually converted not because we were you know telling them about islam day and night because they came to us and they were like we want to learn more about islam what can you tell us about islam and that's that's the best and this is the you know like the best example or you know that's as a sign 
of your uh, willing to ex- your being willing to accept the truth. You know, when you go out of your way, when you get out of your comfort zone, you know, when you get out of your bubble and say, I want to learn about this religion. You know, a lot of people are talking bad about it. A lot of people are, you know, saying bad stuff about it, that it's, you know, evil or it's backwards. I want to know for myself, you know, and then once people study Islam, you know, and once people look at it, you don't have to fully study Islam. Once you know about it, the basics of it, people realize that makes a lot more sense than anything else in the world. That is actually very logical. And this is on a logical you know, level. On a spiritual level, it makes you feel good. And again, Islam doesn't hit everyone the same way. Some people... You know, Islam hit them in, in, in different angles. You know, some people look at Islam and, and they say, oh, Islam defends the right of the poor. We're all equal. And that Islam hits them that way. Some people, Islam hits them as an actual religion, as a day of judgment, as, you know, a hereafter, as a paradise and hellfire. Some people think about that and they were like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Islam, you don't have to have the same experience as someone else when it comes to being exposed to Islam, and we also talked about that in detail in literally the past episode, and and you know check it out uh, if you guys have you know want to uh, understand this topic uh, a little bit more. Now, again, back to Abu Talib. So Abu Talib, uh, the, the the uncle of the Prophet did not want to accept Islam, not because he knew it was not the true. He knew it was the true religion, but because he was too proud to give up the religion of his father, and he was about to say it. You guys have to understand. He was about to take the testimony of faith because the Prophet was, was trying to, you know, help him. Please take the testimony of faith. Of course, he has to mean it, not just say it. You know it is the religion of, you know, the true religion of Allah. You know that is this is the religion. Please, the Prophet was telling his uncle. And the Prophet, again, like we said, he, he wanted to help his uncle, you know, and he wanted his uncle to avoid hellfire and to go to paradise by, you know, believing in Islam and and here, this comes to a very, this takes us to a very critical point. And I was asked this by some of our listeners, and I was actually asked this by other people outside of the podcast. Some people say, what if I believe that Islam is the true religion without being a Muslim? Does that count? Because in Islam, we firmly believe that Allah also uh, 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 rewards you or punishes you based, uh, no, rewards you based on your intentions. Uh, you know, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah does not punish you if you have a bad intention unless you actually uh, uh, commit it. That shows you the mercy of Allah. But I don't want to get into that topic now. I'm trying to say that when you do something good and you have the good intention, Allah will reward you for it. When you don't have the good intention for it, you might actually get the punishment because you committed an action based on a bad intention. Remember, Allah punishes based on actions, not just thoughts. Right, And this is the beautiful thing about Islam and the beautiful thing about the mercy of Allah. You know, when you have good thoughts, Allah rewards you for them without committing the action. When you commit the action of a good thought, Allah uh, uh, gives you uh, more rewards for committing the action of something good that you thought you know, about doing, which is incredible. Again, it shows you the generosity and the mercy, uh, merciness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, you cannot just say I believe in Islam in my heart without, you know, actually being a Muslim, without admitting it to yourself. You know, you don't have to go to the world and say, but you have to admit, you have to take the testimony of faith, you have to believe in Allah, and you have to live as a Muslim. 
You know, there are certain things that you have to stop doing and certain things that you have to start doing to be an actual Muslim. Believing in Allah is not just a word. Oh, I, the, I, 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 you know, I'm a Muslim in the heart and that's it. Doesn't work that way. Being a believer takes two things. Actual believing and actions. Admitting that belief and manifesting that belief that you had, that you have, by committing the actions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to do, right? So that's basically, so even though the uncle believed that his nephew is the true prophet and the final messenger of Allah, and he has he's preaching the true religion, yet he did not admit it. And that puts him in the category of a disbeliever, of a pagan. Because again, he did not want to because he was too proud uh, and he wanted to stay upon the religion of his own ancestors. Um, so the Prophet ﷺ realized this, right? And then shortly after, uh, again, he uh, back to the uncle, he he was about to say it, but then some of the people, Abu Jahl, we mentioned Abu Jahl before, he's like the worst enemy of the Prophet ﷺ, noticed that. He noticed, by the way, they noticed the people, the enemy of the, uh, you know, uh, of the Prophet ﷺ were in the room while the Prophet ﷺ was begging his uncle to take the testimony of faith. And they noticed what was going to happen. They noticed that the uncle was about to say, and they said, don't you dare. They literally said, are you going to like leave the religion of your father? Come on, you're about to die and you're going to, you know, rowing the image of your family and your father. And to that, unfortunately, the uncle, you know, uh, retracted what he was about to do. He just, you know, did not say anything and died uh, upon paganism. And because of that, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, unfortunately, will go to hellfire for eternity but as we because Allah again see this is the most beloved man to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most beloved human to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam yet because number 1 Allah doesn't mind control us right and Allah wanted to also Allah wanted to prove to us that yeah when you no matter who you know Again, the most beloved man to Allah and the most beloved man to the Prophet who, which is the uncle, when he did not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or announce his belief to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah said, no favors when it comes to shirk. When it comes to disbelief, no favors, not forgiven. We we talked about on this show. We talked so many so many times, numerous times, about no matter how good you did in life, if you die upon anything else but Islam, it doesn't matter. Allah will give you your right in 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 this life. You will be treated and rewarded in this life as long as you're not a Muslim. So, because Allah is fair at the end of the day, you'll get what you, you, you did. But the ultimate goal, why do we exist, is to worship Allah the right way, which is at that time, until today, until the day of judgment, is being a Muslim. So, even the Prophet knows he cannot help his own uncle if he dies upon anything else but Islam, paganism. Do you, can you do you guys can you imagine if he said ashhadu anna la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah if he said the testimony of faith be, sincerely meaning it right before he died that means all of his sins were going to be wiped clean and he would have going to die with no sins clean clean 
But unfortunately, and, and, and this is the problem when it comes to pride, and when you're too proud and you're with your lineage, your, your family, your character, you're even you know proud of yourself, and that pride takes over uh, the worshiping of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, takes over the religion, takes over uh, uh, being uh, proud to be a Muslim, that's when you lost in this life and you lost in the hereafter too. Now, the Prophet as a because he loved him so much, he didn't know what to do. So he said, "You know what? I'm going to." I was like, he, he was so heartbroken that he said, "I will ask Allah to forgive you. I'll keep asking Allah to forgive you until I'm told not to." Meaning, until Allah, if un, un, unless Allah comes, sends someone, sends Gabriel, and sends someone to tell me, "Stop doing what you're doing." So actually he started, as soon as he started doing istighfar, meaning repenting on behalf of his uncle, the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals uh, the verse, uh, brings down Gabriel with the verse, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ وَلَوْ كَانُوا أُولِي الْقُرْبَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ أَصْحَابُ الْجَحِيمِ This verse in the Quran, basically Allah explicitly said, it's not befitting to the Prophet, nor those who believed, to ask for forgiveness for those who disbelieved. Again, it's not befitting. The Prophet and the believers should not ask for forgiveness for those who died upon shirk, for those who died upon, upon disbelief. Even if they were their loved ones, their, their close family members, doesn't matter. So this is an explicit message from Allah. You're not allowed to ask Allah to forgive someone who died upon shirk. You're not allowed to. Because Allah says in the Quran, what? I will forgive anything in the world. Can you imagine? Anything, anything Allah is willing to forgive. Allah, say, they, Allah didn't say, I will. Allah said, I'm willing to forgive anything. This We leave this up to Allah, right? Up to His mercy. I'm willing to forgive anything except for shirk. Allah numerous times in the Quran says this. So you are making istighfar, you're repenting and saying, oh Allah, forgive this person, even though they died as mushriks, you know, as disbelievers. You're basically challenging Allah's rule. Only rule when it comes to, you know, not forgiving. Allah's only rule when it comes to not forgiving is for you to be a disbeliever. Die upon disbelief, of course. So when Allah says, I'm willing to forgive, except this one, I will never forget. When Allah says it many, many times in the Quran, and you say, I'm just going to forgive, that means what? You're challenging Allah. Of course, we're talking about this, uh, now describing what happened to the, 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 to the Prophet ﷺ, these verses were not revealed yet. So the Prophet ﷺ was not challenging Allah in any way, just to let you know, just to clarify this. This is the first time that these verses are revealed. The Prophet ﷺ doesn't know. You know, I'll just, I'll keep asking for forgiveness unless Allah does not want me to. And Allah surely, you know, sends Gabriel with the verses that you're not, you're not allowed to make, uh, seek forgiveness for those people. And another verse actually was revealed regarding, I said there were many verses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to the Prophet is telling him, you do not guide whomever you like or you love. Allah. Allah guides whomever he wishes or whoever he wants based meaning what based on their hearts Allah knows who wants to be guided and who doesn't 
And because of that, Allah is the one who chooses who to guide and who. So Allah is very fair, my dear brothers and sisters. If you want to be guided, but you know you're struggling, or there's if you deeply want to be guided to the truth, Allah will show you the right path. Don't worry. Just do your do your part, though. Do your best to look for guidance, and Allah will guide you to the correct sources, to the correct you know path. But there are those who don't want to, and Allah won't guide them because they're basically lazy. They don't want to be guided. So this is a different story, right? So Allah is telling us this so we could learn from it. Now, Abu Talib went uh, as a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, again, Abu Talib will enter hellfire. There is no doubt. He's not going to Jannah. He's not going to paradise, no matter what. But as a courtesy to the Prophet Wasallam, Allah will make Abu Talib, his uncle, uh, will, will make him uh, uh, be in the lowest level, uh, uh, in the least severe part of hellfire, that only his, he will be wearing sandals of fire. So only his, like, the bottom of his feet, basically, or his feet, will be uh, touching actual fire. And he... That's as a as this is like a, as as a, as a courtesy to the Prophet Sallam, you know, as a reward for him that he's not gonna, he's going to be the least man to be punished in hellfire. Believe it or not, the least human to be punished in hellfire, the least pagan human to be, or the the least uh, mushrik to be punished in hellfire, as uh, uh, you know, courtesy to the Prophet Sallam. Yet, yet, it is said that he will be. Uh, in, 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 he will be uh, thinking that he is the worst. He's getting the worst punishment because his brain will be boiling from uh, the fire that's you know touching his his feet, and that shows you the severity of hellfire. One person is in the least spot in terms of punishment, and yet he thinks he's getting the worst punishment, and that shows you how you know. How bad is hellfire? How painful it, 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 it would be to be in hellfire. Now, another thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, the, even uh, the Prophet was, was making dua and tried to, you know, to make Abu Talib convert to Islam before his death, but it shows you the humanity of the Prophet. At the end of the day, he is the best of mankind, we agree, but he's still a human. He is a human. You know, he, he cannot dictate who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would guide and who he wouldn't guide. It's up to Allah. Allah knows what's in the hearts and that's it, period. You know? So that is the death of, 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 of the uncle of Abu Talib, who is the father of Ali. We know Ali, Ali ibn Abi Talib. He's the, the cousin of the Prophet and he was one of the first, you know, batch of Muslims to believe in the Prophet sallallahu uh, and um, yeah, so that was something that was very sad and traumatic uh, uh, that happened to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And then uh, 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 the death of of Khadija, the first wife of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the only wife that he had uh, at the time. Uh, she passed away uh, around like uh, like around a month uh, or like forty days within the death of his uncle. She also passed away. She got sick and she passed away. And it's it's been reported that our Prophet ﷺ hasn't been seen smiling for months after this. He was, imagine that you were traumatic by the death of the most beloved man in your life, your uncle. 
and then the most beloved woman you you know your own wife that he loved so much passed away 40 days after how would you feel you know he lost khadija who was supporting the prophet on so many levels she supported the Prophet ﷺ on so many levels. She was the first one when he came. You remember when he, uh, when when Jibril, Angel Gabriel, came to him for the first time. He ran to her and he told her, "I need, I need help. I don't understand what's happening." And she helped him uh, get through that difficult time. She was always there for him, and he loved her so much that he wasn't seen smiling at any, like in any, like at any moment. Anybody saw the Prophet ﷺ, he looked sad for months. And that's why this year was called the year of sorrow. The entire year was named the year of sorrow because of these two deaths and then other situations that happened as well. Now, Khadija was so beloved to the Prophet ﷺ that Aisha, you know, Aisha, his second wife, the famous uh, wife, Aisha, right? Uh, 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 she was so jealous of Khadija. She was so jealous of Khadija even though she she never met Khadija. By the way, the Prophet ﷺ never married someone else while Khadija was alive. And when she died, the Prophet ﷺ, you know, a few years after he met Aisha, and he was technically everybody recommended him to get married to get married. He did not want to get married, and everybody recommended him to get married. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala blessed a lot of his marriages, you know, because he was again a prophet, like many other prophets. They had multiple wives. For very good wisdoms that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows Right um, And Aisha was the closest one to the Prophet You know, after marriage, of course And she herself, this is narrated by Aisha herself She says I was very jealous of Khadija Even though I've never met her And she quotes a very Or, or, or tells us a very interesting incident that happened That one time uh, The Prophet ﷺ, we know that he migrated from Mecca to Medina Right He, uh, he escaped persecution And, and you know the, the multiple assassinations attempt uh, And he went to Medina Where people accepted him there We'll talk about that inshallah soon And um while he was in Medina, he was married to Aisha, and then someone came to visit them. And that person was none other than the, his sister-in-law, uh, uh, Hala, the, 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 the sister of Khadija. So, you know, that was his sister-in-law. Uh, of course, after, you know, uh, Khadija passed away with, you know, a couple of years, she came to visit the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in his house in Medina. So she knocked on the door, you know, out of, you know, respect, you know, to, uh, there were no locks back then, right? But, you know, you have to take per permission to go into someone's house. So she was knocking on the door, she announced herself. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was reported that he was half asleep at that time. And when, once he heard it was her, it was Hala, the, 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 the sister of Khadija. He just like, he got up so fast. He jumped up. He jumped up. Right? And who saw that? It was Aisha, right? His wife. And then he, uh, you know, he welcomed her. You know, uh, they offered her food and whatever they talked about. You know, the, the, the good old days and all these things. And she left on her way. Then Aisha got very jealous of this. So she said what? Well, after Hala left, the, the, the sister-in-law left. She said, for how long? She's talking to the Prophet So she's like, for how long are you going to keep remembering the old woman? You know, the old wife of yours. Of course, these were not nice words, right? 
But again, it's like she was, you know, jealous. She noticed, she feels it all the time that every time Khadija's name was mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ is very, you know, uh, emotional. And she saw how he interacted with her sister. So that proves his love to Khadija uh, even more. And she spoke out of anger. You know, she, you know, uh, she said, for how long are you going to keep remembering the old woman? And then she said this, and she said, Allah has given you someone who is better than her. Of course, she's talking about herself. So why would you keep remembering her? And to that, the Prophet ﷺ got very irritated. He was very irritated. And he said what? No, Aisha. Allah has not given me someone better than Khadija. Look at that now. She supported me when no one else supported me. She spent money on me when everybody boycotted me. She comforted me when the whole world was attacking me. She believed me it believed in me when everybody rejected me. Allah and this is very look at this. And Allah blessed me with children from her when he uh, deprived all of my other wives from having my children. So up until this point, the Prophet ﷺ never had any children from anyone else but Khadija. Six children. So Aisha said, after this conversation, I never ever said anything bad about Khadija. So the Prophet ﷺ, you know, made it clear she is special and she will always be that way. So you guys can imagine how difficult it was for the Prophet ﷺ to live through that time. Right? There was it was very difficult, you know, to live through that time because he lost two of the most beloved people to him. His uncle and his wife within 40 days. And that shows you again and again that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested those whom he loved mostly. You have to understand, the Prophet didn't have a, you know, a life of luxury or you know, everything was coming to him and he was being treated like a king or a leader and that's it. The Prophet endured things that we cannot endure. I'm telling you right now, things that in our lifetime, we cannot endure. But because of the faith of the Prophet ﷺ, he's the level of his iman, the level of his faith. Allah knows that he could take it. Allah says in the Quran, I do not give you what you cannot handle. Allah gives you what you can handle. That's why when something big happens to you, God forbid, something bad big happens to you, always remember, always remember that Allah knows you can handle it. Always remember this. This is in the Quran, my dear brothers and sisters. Allah knew that the Prophet ﷺ would take it when his most the most beloved two people die within the span of 40 days from each other. Allah knew that. Exactly like Allah knows that when something bad befalls you, happens to you, Allah knows that you can take it. Because if you can't take it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wouldn't give it to you. Allah is fair. Now, whether you show that you can take it or not, this is a different story. 
Allah knows your capacity for you know taking a test and a calamity. Allah knows your capacity. The problem is you might not know your capacity, and that's why sometimes we fail that test. Do you guys understand this? This is this is the big dilemma that we're facing. Sometimes when something bad happens to us, we say we cannot take it, and we just we, you know, we reject the fact that it happened to us. We keep blaming God for it and all these things. But what you do not know that Allah knew from the beginning that you can take it. You just were not patient enough to take it and to handle it. That's why we need to learn more from our Prophet ﷺ. We will never be like him. His status is different, but we could follow his footsteps. You know, that's the whole purpose of us learning about his life, his biography. He's our role model. You know. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and I really appreciate it. Again, uh, uh, th- th- we we tell the story of the Prophet ﷺ to educate people, you know, to educate everyone about who the Prophet was, who the Prophet is in terms of status, right? And what can we learn from him, you know? Because again, if we follow the footsteps of the Prophet ﷺ, we will live, inshallah, a happy life. And a happy afterlife, inshallah. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.